Stop what you're doing. We got new content on the way. I need you to stay tuned. We got a new interview coming up. It's about to be fire. You're about to learn something you probably never knew before. Stay tuned. Dubs Club up next. Boom, boom, boom. This is Dubs Club, and I'm with Kari Blasting Game, uh, Vanderbilt undergrad, graduate, currently going through grad school, um, running back, linebacker, safety, whatever you name, he's played it, uh, from Huntsville, Alabama, one of my closest friends, We've gotten real close this past year, but um, I'm here with Kari Blasting Game, how you doing today, bro? I'm good, bro, I'm good. Good, you know. You know, this uh, segment of my podcast is, as you know, is before they were famous. And I just, I know you really well. And I know you have a bunch, a bunch of plans in the future, whether that be NFL, whether that be in the, the, the field of medicine, anything. I just know you're, you're going to make it big. So I, that's why I wanted to have you as a guest on my podcast, because I know you're going to make it in the future. You're going to do big shit. And I'm excited. But, you know, before we get into the meat of everything, I always start with, like, this is your chance for people who don't necessarily know you the best to go out and, you know, let them familiarize them, familiarize themselves with you without you having to speak to them face to face. So to start, I just want to know a little bit of background, where you're from, um, you know, what got you into playing football. Just take me through, you know, those adolescent years before you got to Vanderbilt. I bet. Uh, yeah, man, appreciate you for having me. So, uh, Kari Thomas Blaster Games, my full name. Uh, from Huntsville, Alabama. I was born in Huntsville, Alabama, raised in Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, mother and father, got a sister, uh, older sister. And really just been, you know, playing sports and doing school my whole life. That's been the whole kind of vibe on things. You know, my mom told me before I could, uh, before I could play sports, I had to learn how to read and, and, you know, do all those things that I guess you do when you're about to go into kindergarten or whatever. So before I signed up for basketball in kindergarten and baseball in kindergarten, I had to learn how to read. So that was, uh, you know, that was that. And then eventually, you know, I fell in love with basketball and baseball first. And then, you know, after just watching football and this and that, fell in love with it and kind of had to beg my parents to sign me up. My mom thought I was too small. <laughs> And uh, so my dad, what my dad did is, I think I think the story is my mom was out of town, and my dad we kind of went and did it behind my mom's back, and <laughs> I was signed up. Yeah, and so I was signed up, and she got back, and I was signed up, and you know that was that was that. And so I was playing, got my first taste of it, you know, running Pause. around hitting. <laughs> Fuck you, <laughs> uh, running around hitting, doing all that, and. Uh, and just fell in love with it and throughout, you know, middle school, high school, all of that. Just fell in love with it. Had a dream to play in the NFL. Looks like it's right around the corner. So that's 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 about it. Man, what what, what uh what what kept you from playing baseball? I mean, I know you were a huge baseball player. Like you loved baseball growing up. What what kind of steered you away from baseball? Uh, I mean, you want to know something, man? I'm gonna be completely honest. Base, I was good at baseball. I could hit. I could run well. But at, I don't think I had the arm strength. I don't think I had the live arm. I was playing in the outfield. I, 
I don't think I could make that throw from right to third or, you know, just gunning people out from center to home. I don't think I had that. And then most of the people that I was close with, that I was, like, really friends with, they weren't playing baseball. So okay. when it gets to, get to middle school, I'm the only one that looks like me on the team. And so, right. you know, that is what it is. I mean, the guys were cool, but all of my really close friends, you know, closest friends were playing football. Now, some of them played baseball, too, but, you know, that's, yeah. I mean, that is what it is. And I, I just really don't think I had the arm strength okay. to, to be – to be elite, I could hit well, and I could steal some bases every now and then, but I wasn't elite. Yeah. Looking at how much, you know, you got the, the Bryce Harpers of the world and, you know, all these elite baseball players making, not e sometimes they're not even, like, cream of the crop, but they're out there making a nice chuck and change. Do you ever kind of regret not sticking with it, or does that ever go through your mind? <laughs> yeah, man, sometimes, but... You know, I fell in love with football, yeah. you know, yeah. so I, def I don't regret that. And I, I heard a story about one guy, uh, he heard his, he was a baseball player, hurt his leg, and he, he was saying how he didn't really have arm strength, but all, he hurt his legs, so all he did, he got a bucket of balls, and he would just throw all summer, and then he came back, and he was throwing like 90, so, you know, maybe I should have done that, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I fell in love with football, and it worked out, so I don't regret a thing. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely respect that. I mean, we all have our past lives and our first loves, and, you know, eventually we grow up and we find out what's best for us and what we love more. It's all about really what you love doing versus, you know, the money game sometimes. All right. So, you know, we went through the background. You got an older sister, mom and pop from Huntsville, Alabama. You get to high school. I mean, what position did you play? How was your recruiting process? Like, take me through all of that. Uh, so, as a freshman, I played safety and I played quarterback. Quarterback? I always thought, yeah, fool, I always thought, man, I'm way too short to play quarterback. <laughs> and I'm faster, so just let me just let me play DB. You know what I'm saying? I was playing DB. I fell in love with different DBs, watching them, watching them play and stuff like that. So, I played quarterback. I had a coach, actually, who really wanted me to play quarterback. He really believed in me. And, uh... It's funny because I, I didn't really want to play quarterback, mm -hmm. uh, but we got to senior year, and I played a little quarterback, and I could throw the ball really well, uh, and he was like, you know what, I told you, you should have played quarterback, and I was like, yeah, you know, whatever, because, I mean, it worked out the other way, too, but I played, my freshman year, I played quarterback and running back and then uh, some safety. Then my sophomore year, I played safety on the varsity. I think I ended up starting my sophomore year a little bit, or I played a little bit. Uh, I can't really remember. I remember playing against uh, Bob Jones with Reggie Ragland. I mean, that dude was huge because I was still, I was still like one seventy five right then. I was like, this is, I mean, I was throwing, I was throwing it around. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then junior year, we had a coach come in. And for some reason, I can't even remember his name right now. I remember his face. I remember his voice. I remember how his breast man with that dip in. <laughs> but, uh, but I can't remember his name right now. But uh, we played we played man coverage on the outside. We played man like all year long. And he had me playing corner because I was long, you know, I guess for high school. Right. So I played, played corner, turned some kicks. And that was, that was good for junior year. Good enough, I guess. And then senior year, I played safety and running back, and a little bit of wildcat quarterback. Threw some, threw some passes, ran for some touchdowns, and 
play safety. And so recruiting-wise, I didn't get my first offer until uh, spring going into my senior year. I got it from uh, University of Minnesota, Coach Jerry Kill and Coach Jay Sawbell. They were great guys, great program. And uh, so they got they gave me my first offer. Then I got a few more small ones after that. And then uh, I got Northwestern, and I ended up committing to Minnesota. Right. And then, uh, you know, James Franklin left, took a lot of his guys with him. Coach Mason came in. I was kind of like next guy up. And so uh, I ended up at Vanderbilt. You know, they gave they gave the offer. And, you know, it was, it was kind of where I wanted to be in the first place because, you know, SEC, close to home, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so that's how I ended up at Vandy. Yeah. So, I mean, like. Was it always a dream to play in SEC? I mean, because growing up in California, everyone that grows up, man, I, I got to get that USC offer. Or I, I got to get that UCLA offer. Was it always a dream of playing in the SEC, or did you – it didn't matter where you went. You just wanted that college uh, college scholarship. Yeah, I just wanted that college scholarship. I mean, playing in the SEC would have been cool. You know, I mean, well, it was cool because I ended up playing in the SEC. But <laughs> in my college – in my high school mindset, it was like, you know, playing in the SEC would be cool. I just want to get to a program where I can, you know, play on TV and do, you know, play big time ball. Right. So when I got that offer from Minnesota and then Northwestern, I was like, all right, bet it's here. But, you know, it did kind of suck being overlooked by uh, SEC teams a little bit because I was going to camps and I felt like I was competing well with the guys that showed up. But I guess I either didn't have the film or the measurables that they liked. So they went other directions. Yeah. It, it, it ended up working out for me. Yeah. So, like, what would you tell like a young kid getting recruited, not getting those offers that he think he should? Like, how do you, how did you, you know, keep yourself sane? Because I know, like, I mean, now it's we just we talked about this recently. It's gotten really bad as far as like, you know, recruiting videos and all these people coming out with, you know, shit. I got my top twenty schools. I'm looking like, like, come on, bro. Like, it's not that serious. Yeah, like, how yeah. do you like people that see that on social media and they're not getting those top offers or not getting as many offers as they think they should? How do you what What's your advice for you know keeping a keeping your sanity really? Man, for I mean, it's, it's gonna be hard as a as a high schooler to hear this, but mature me will go back and tell you know young me like. Uh, it's, I mean, all that glitz and glam, it's not all that it's cracked up to be. Right. Uh, you can, At the end of the day, you can only play for one team, and you and you better make sure it's the right fit. Uh, I, think Vanderbilt, I think Vanderbilt, for me, was the right fit. Uh, I would say, man, don't look at all the top 20 and all the rankings and all this, because, I mean, if you look at a lot of the guys that, that we came out with that were ranked really high, had all of this, or even just rank maybe a little bit higher than you. You know, some guys don't pan out, you know what I'm saying, because they don't have the, the intangibles. So I would say, man, just focus on the ball and the intangibles and building those skills. And, man, if you go to a Conference USA or a Sunbelt, like, not saying that that's small or anything, but if you go to one of those, you can you can still ball out. If you got the measurables and you got the tape, they're going to find you. Right. So, and the biggest thing for me, you know, I, we, we, we talk about those four letters, the NCAA, and how big of a scam it is sometimes. But the biggest thing really is, like, in my situation, for me, the biggest thing was getting the education. Yep. You know, NFL, it's a dream. It's what I want to do. It's what I'm working towards when I'm on that field, when I'm in the weight room, when we do extra work. At the end of the day, you got to go to a place where you're going to get an a education, where you can, like, further yourself, build a network. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's the real key. 
you know, that's how you get the most out of it so you don't leave feeling, you know, scammed. Right. Right, right, right. Of course. I mean, shit, you really can't do nothing in life without that piece of paper. So, I mean, to all those people, you know, oh, I'm going to declare early and all that stuff. I mean, it always sounds good, but at the end of the day, like, I mean, there's are, there are people that are out there that, you know, did it without a college degree and are still doing it, but, you know. Yeah, of course. That's, that's why when I say that, I say, you know, for me, because, you know, as a, as a, you know, football player, person, whatever, you got to know yourself. Like, for some people, leaving leaving school early works because they get the big bag and, you know, they continue their, their informal education and they, you know, they, they keep learning. Right. You know? But for me, in my position, how my college career went, all of that, you know, just my position coming into college, I had to, I had to have something. You know what I'm saying? I needed that degree. Yeah. And I needed I needed to build a, a network in college. I needed to get I needed to get something out of it other than playing experience. And I feel like I did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of going back to what you said about, you know, NCAA is a scam. Now that we're not, you know, NCAA athletes and we're not, you know, a part of that, you know, for lack of a better term, you know, slave market. Like how how do you feel about that? I know we've had conversations about it. Like you had you had some initiatives you thought would you could start up and it would do good. It would do players good once they graduate. Like what's your thought process on the NCAA and how they can change for the better? Man, I, I feel like the NCAA is broken in large part because the leadership at, at universities is broken. You know, shout out to uh, shout out to the late AD Williams, uh, the legend. You know, shout out to him. Got pay big respects to him because I think he did it the right way. Uh, his his graduation rate, not, not only among athletes but among African American athletes and among African American athletes in revenue grossing sports was you know astronomical as compared to the LSU's, the Alabamas. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I looked at a report and I can't remember the year. But it's for one of these classes we took in in football. They were in their revenue grossing sports. They're graduating like 48, 52% of their kids, man. Like, that's, that's the deal. You say, come play football for us and you get education. Like, that's supposed to be the trade. That's supposed to be the, the, what, what you're getting, you know? But, but a lot of times that isn't the case and kids aren't being protected. You know, if you come in, you're not playing and it's like, it's not working out for the coach. Sometimes guys are, you know, getting that boot. They're getting out of there. Right. And I don't think that's, I don't think that's equitable. I don't think it's fair. But, you know, fortunately for us, you know, in the situation we were in, we played for a great AD, a great head coach who protected players, you know. Mm-hmm. They got, players got degrees, players graduated. They did what they were supposed to do. And so, you know, I, I think, I think the system's broken. In the, with the NCAA, largely because of the NCAA, but also because, you know, some of the leadership at the school is broken, too. Uh, and, man, when you look at the money, dog, I mean, let's not even go there, dog. <laughs> look, at, look, at the, look at the price of, uh, of Duke tickets when Zion was playing. Yeah. You know, he's hurt now and he's not playing, but you saw those prices. They were higher than doggone Knicks games, man. Come on. Yeah. yeah how, how do you justify that? I mean, hey, I mean, I don't think you really can. And the fact that, you know, we talked about this the other day. I mean, the NCAA was, what, $6 billion in revenue yesterday, and they don't have to pay a single thing worth of taxes. And players are... 
It's six million. It, it was somewhere up there like that, bro. It was super crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah um, man. I don't, you know, I don't know if they're paying taxes or they're not because I think they don't release that. Yeah. Uh, but, but I mean, if Amazon's not paying taxes, you can only assume so. Right. Hey, let's, let's not blow the whistle too hard, man. We're still trying to get up in this league. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I feel you that. Know. Yeah. I feel that. But, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, it blows my mind. Make so much money and, you know, players don't get a cent of it. I mean, you know, people say, you know, you're getting a free education, but, you know, we're sometimes. also. Sometimes. yeah. Sometimes. And <laughs> unless you go, you know, the boosters are out there paying you. But it's like we're out here, you and, know. And sometimes you don't even graduate. Yeah, sometimes you don't. It's 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 um it's a slippery slope, but you know it's just I don't think it's very fair. You know we're putting our bodies at risk for the entertainment of others, and you know we're not getting much but a free education. I mean I understand. You know a lot of people would love to be in this position, but at the same time I feel like regardless of the compensation, there just needs to be a little bit of it. I'm not asking for you know three, four, five million dollars. <laughs> Shit, I'm you know. Couple of thou would do me good, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, just get what you're worth. Yeah, you know? exactly. But moving on, you know, getting away from, you know, NCAA talk and, you know, all that stuff. How was your college career? I mean, I know, again, in college, you switched a bunch of positions. I know you came in as a safety, uh, defensive back, then you went down a linebacker, and then you played running back. You know, explain that to me, like, you know, you came in and you played DB in high school and now you were switched. Like, did that hurt you a little bit? Like, how was your confidence on that? And then just constantly switching positions. How did that affect your, you know, your mental, you know, all that stuff? Man, it was actually crazy, as you can imagine. Not necessarily crazy because, you know, it's football, but, you know, coming in, I thought, you know, I'm a big safety, you know, this and that, I'm a big like Eric Reed type, you know, big safety, whatever, camp chest or whatever. But, man, that spring came, and Coach was just like, you know, we, we need a body at linebacker. And we feel like you can do it. And so uh, just went down there, thought I could help the team, and ended up playing well, kind of, you know what I'm saying, played behind Zach Cunningham, played well on special teams was my main role. So that was cool. And so I was kind of settling into that, get, about to get ready to you know, work and try to get into that rotation for next year. And he was like, hey, yo, look, we need you to play. He actually came and said, we want you to play, like, like fullback. But you'll play a little bit of tailback, too. You know what I'm saying? That was a different conversation. And so that next spring, you know, I was playing fullback, mainly, with a little bit of tailback mixed in. Right. And then that next season, uh, Bailey McElwain, uh, the big body CEO, he <laughs> came in. He came in and, uh, and he did his thing at fullback that allowed me to move to running back and play more running back. Had a good season there. You know, I had an okay season. Let me say okay season. I had a lot to learn that season. Then it went to 2017. For me, that season was abysmal, dog. It was terrible. Right. Uh, didn't get as many carries as I, as I wanted. Uh, and that was a large part that was due to me. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, came back the next year, worked hard, improved my hands, went past protection, had a good senior year. And you know, I think it's I think it's all worked out for the best, really. Uh, I, I really think it's all been a blessing, you know, moving position. I think I ended up where I was supposed to be, right. where I was supposed to where I was supposed to end up. Uh, yeah. And so I think it all I think it all goes together. And I, overall, I think I had a pretty 
pretty good career. I'm, I'm happy with the work I put in and with the work I did and where I'm at now. So Yeah, right, yeah. Two kind of questions that are kind of based off each other. I'll start with this one. You know, you played behind two NFL dudes, right? I mean, you played behind Zach Cunningham, and then you played behind Ralph Webb just a little, right? Yeah. How, do you feel like that, watching them go and then watching them get to where they are now, you feel that, like, kind of gave you the fuel you needed? Did that prove to you that if they did it, you can do it type stuff too? Or how did that go for you? I mean, watching them is cool, you know. It's always cool to see people make it. Yeah. Uh, but for me, not to sound cocky or anything like that, mm-hmm. but I've always had my own little fuel that's kind of pushed me in the back of my mind. So seeing them is great. You know, it's awesome. You know, mm-hmm. Great job for them. You know, they're making money. They're doing what they love. But I've always had my own little fuel, and I think it's separate from their success. I don't think that's been a, a driving factor in yeah. In what I've done, I'm happy for him, of course. But right. I don't think it has anything to do with with how I drive myself. Yeah. And then another question based off that: Do you think playing on both sides of the ball, and especially in college, especially on Coach Mason's defense in the SEC, do you think that's like a major benefit, like a big plus to you, or you think you know just another thing? Uh, no, I think it, I actually think it's a plus when it comes to like. Like the whole scouting thing, you know, just being able to play special teams, run and tackle, you know what I'm saying? Having, just having that stuff on film, I think it's cool. Uh, I wasn't really a natural at linebacker, and I feel like that didn't come as easy to me as, as running back, like running the ball. Mm-hmm. But I do think it, I do think it's important and it played a part in me, in my development as a football player. So I think it's, I think it's really, uh, I think it's really important. Good. Yeah. I mean, more film, you know, the more they have yeah. to look at. You're, you're doing, you did a great job on special teams. The one thing I definitely remember that you kind of got, you know, hosed on was that Missouri play. I think it was maybe opening kickoff or opening Probably second was. half. And you, first kickoff oh game. man, and you was running down the field like a bat out of hell. And dude, and you, boom, stuck that motherfucker. It was like, what? Smack, smack, smack that boy. Yeah, it was like the five yard line, fumble. And it's clear as day on film. Like, if you go back and watch it, clear as day, fumbled the ball before he's down. And we got hosed. You know, Vanderbilt never getting the calls that we need Josh, to get. Josh actually recovered that fumble. Yeah. Josh Smith, which Dude. is crazy. Yeah. He's now training for the draft as well. So. Yeah, he is. So yeah. Let's, yeah, let's let's get into that. Like, how's, uh, how's training going? Did you expect it to go this way? Like, were you expecting something different? How's this process going for you? It's, it's actually going really well, but I don't know what I expected. You know, I, I probably expected a bunch of different things at a bunch of different times. Like in high school, I probably expected that it was going to be exactly how it looked on NFL Network and, you know, yeah, all, of yeah. this, all of this stuff. But then, you know, coming out, I don't know what I expected. I think being down at Boost with uh, with Jordan and Jeremy and all those guys, I think it's, I think it's put me in a good position to do well, and it's been fun. As you know, you know what I'm saying, we met a lot of good dudes down there at that facility. Yeah. And we had a good time over this, you know, little eight and a half, eight and nine weeks. And, uh, I mean, I don't know what I expected, but it was a great time. You yeah. know, it was fun. And I, I looked forward to Mondays. Definitely. Know? Definitely. Yeah. So, I mean, you're going in to the draft, you know. What what are you what are your what are you speaking into existence coming forward Tuesday and beyond? Let, let me know what you're speaking into existence because you know me. I like to 
speak things into existence and visualize a lot of stuff. So, you know, because if you visualize it and speak it into existence, in my mind, it's more likely to happen. So what are you speaking into existence and visualizing? Oh, man, what you, what you talk about? You want numbers or something? I want numbers, plans. like Ah, uh, you know that ain't me, bro. Hey, man, I, look, listen, it, this is all up to you. You can go ahead and say it. You cannot say it. I'm, I'm just asking the questions. I'm going to say this. I'm going I'm to start. This is how I'm going to put it. You know, Pro Day is, is coming. I, I'm expecting to perform uh, well and to perform, you know, at or above the places where we train. And you know exactly what those numbers are. And so you know that, but I'm not going to say it right here. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm kind of, I can say it to you, but sometimes, like now since we're recording, bro, I feel like it's more, you know, it's more ears, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know, bro. It's a little bit superstitious for me, and I don't, you know, I like to keep it close to my heart. Yeah. But you know those, but you know those numbers I have written on my wall. It's, I, I expect to to perform in those ways. Uh, and then draft day, man. I'm not expecting anything. I'm not expecting anything. I'm that's in God's hands. Cause you know, after pro day, we really don't control any of that. You know. Right. So I'm not expecting anything on those days. Yeah. I got I got some hopes, but I'm not expecting anything right there. Yeah, yeah. You know you know what we want. We want to get up in that draft conversation. Exactly. We want to, we want to, we want to hear that, that name called. So I'm going to say that, you know, draft day, I'm, I'm expecting to hear and, and manifesting that I hear my name called. I'll say that. Yeah, I mean, it's good to, you know, manifest and put those things out there. And, you know, that's just the way life goes. Like you said, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But, you know, as long as you get a shot, and I think as long as if any any of us that are coming out of Vanderbilt get, this year get a shot, I know a lot of us are going to be destined to make it because we're just, we were just built that way. We didn't really, you know, a lot of us on the team that are coming out really didn't have, you know, those big-time offers weren't really highly recruited. So, you know, all we know is fucking hard work and dedication. So, I mean, you know, as long as we get that shot, I feel we do, we'll do really good. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So let's let's get outside of football. Tell me some of your you know your hobbies and interests outside of football. I know you're huge in the medical field and and you want to eventually you know change. I don't know. I don't remember what you said exactly, but you know, not change the face of medicine, but give more of those people that aren't really like people of color that aren't really you know given the benefits that they need and deserve you know, those opportunities. How do you plan on doing though doing that in the future? Man, well that's that is that's a great question actually. Uh I don't know how I plan to do it because I haven't I haven't gained that that specialized knowledge in order to, to know exactly how I wanna do it. But what I wanna do is, you know, health uh, uh like like Racial and racial and ethnic health disparities. Mm-hmm. That's that's like one of the biggest things that my degree focused on. But being an African American man, bro, it's like you can't you can't ignore as a man who you know grew up watching you know family members deal with what I mean, what you can name it, uh, diabetes, heart problems. Well, not even watching, but hearing about it. You know, my family, thank the Lord, is is real. Help is is in very good health. Uh, but just watching, you know, diabetes and people deal with uh, uh, heart problems and things like that. And then as we go through our, you know, college years and learn in MHS, they start hearing these stories about how how much African American, how many African American women uh, 
died during childbirth or experienced, uh, you know, uh, complications during childbirth. It's like, I mean, things like that could definitely be avoided. And there's, I know that, I know that there's a tangible solution out there that works for everybody. It works for the patients. It works for the people who, you know, want to make money off of healthcare, even though I don't know how ethical that is. Right. Like, but, but there's a solution out there where everybody wins. And if there's people, you know, shareholders, whatever, losing a little bit of money here to help people's outcomes be better, then so be it. But, and I think, you know, after football and whenever football's done, going back and getting that specialized knowledge so that I can step in somewhere and be like, hey, look, this is this is what we should do. This is how we should do it. And, you know, this is the practical way to do it. I think that'll be, that's something that I that I look forward to. Mm-hmm. And possibly because I know it's going to be difficult to sell. You know, we like difficult, we like difficult stuff. Yeah. But, but it's worth, it, it's worth something. So that's, that's one thing I look forward to in whatever capacity that I end up doing it. You know, hopefully I play for 10 years and the capacity that I do it in is like a, you know, a lobbyist or, you know, public, you know, policy or some shit like that. Excuse my language. But, yeah, you're good. But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's really the whole healthcare side that I'm real interested in. Uh, you know, that's what my, that's what my degree was in. So that's kind of what I was immersed in, you know, for four years. So, that's that's about it on that end. Okay, okay. What else? What else are you interested in besides you know, you know, helping out? You know, low. I don't. I don't even know how to say that. Whatever you said, you just <laughs> you know me. I'm not into yeah. that. But uh, disparities. Disparities. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it, it took me a while to get to that word. <laughs> I ain't read a book in a minute. I feel that. I feel that. So, like, what's it? What's it like? I mean. Actually, I have I have a great question for you here. So, we've talked about this, but I'm not sure you know other people have heard it. You, a lot of your family went to HBCUs, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I think you were you told me you were the first one actually to go to a, a PWI, and you you kind of got a little flack from that from your family. How does how did that work? What made you you know decide to go to a PWI? Was like, do you think there really would have been a difference as far as you know? coaching and all that stuff that led you to where you are now if you would have went to HBCU or do you just think like why 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 did you choose a PWI? Man, first of all, I wanna say shout out to all the HBCUs out there. My dad is a graduate of uh Fort Valley State University in Tuskegee. My mom's a graduate of Alabama A and M University in Huntsville, Alabama. My sister is a graduate of Tuskegee University and Alabama A and M University in Huntsville, Alabama. Tuskegee is also in Alabama. Uh my uncle went to Alabama A and M. My grandfather on my mother's side went to Alabama A and M. So we got a we got a lot of HBCUs in the family. And then my brother, my not my brother, but my dad's brother, his and his two sisters, all went to you know Tuskegee or Fort Valley. So man, shout out to HBCUs. Yeah, uh, yeah. And for me, man, my choice. To be honest, it was a football choice. It had nothing to do with the education. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna say nothing because Vanderbilt is great education, right? Yeah. But I've seen the type of education that you can get at Tuskegee, that you can get at, that I know you can get at other places. You know, Alabama A and M, Howard. It might not in 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 name, it might not ring as heavy as Vanderbilt, but those educations are they are what you make. It. You know, what I'm saying if I go to Vandy and slack off, you know, it doesn't 
I'm still not going to get as much out of it as if I went somewhere else and gave it my all. So I, I have a tremendous amount of respect for the quality of education that HBCU and the professors at HBCU provide. Mm -hmm. uh, but for me, uh, looking at it, man, I think I was kind of, I was kind of mesmerized by the whole aspect of playing big time D1 football on TV. Right. You know, and I think coming here, like I said, we play, we got to play for Coach Mason, a bunch of great coaches on those staffs. And we got to uh, be trained for four years by Coach Dobson. Like, Coach Dobson is one of the best in the business at strength and conditioning. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be quite honest, I don't know what, what my body looks like, what my performance levels look like if I if I don't have Coach Dobson. So, I mean, I, mean, I just got to be honest with that. I don't know I don't know what it's like at other schools. Yeah. But what I do know is if you got the tools and you can ball, they're going to find you. So, I mean, I know people who've made it from Grambling. There's a guy playing in the league right now from North Carolina A&T. I mean, if you can ball, they're going to find you. So, right. So, but, so for me, it was a football decision. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. And there's always this conversation. I don't think we've ever had it. I mean, because I've always thought about it. But, you know, HBCUs, as far as, you know, money that they bring in from their sports, you know, they don't necessarily do too well. And, you know, there's a lot of improvements that can be done within the HBCUs. And, you know, I'm just thinking, like, what if, you know, the Zion Williamsons of the world and the um, Tua Tonga Leave Tua Tonga Levas of the world went to HBCUs. Do you think that would change them and change the you know the aspect and how people looked at HBCUs as far as sports? Yeah, man. You know, at one point, looking back at it, back in back in the day, you know, that's what everybody says. <laughs> HBCUs were like they were, Grambling was a football factory. They produced a lot of NFL talent. And, you know, the money goes where the talent goes. Right. Being real. Uh, so if if you saw that that happen in waves, the money would then go there. Yeah. Like, if Zion said, you know what, I'm not going to Duke. I'm going to North Carolina A and T. Like you don't think they're gonna put North Carolina A and T on TV? Oh yeah, for sure. Like, more than like two or three times a year. Of course they will. Yeah. If if Tua and who else is live? You know, Key Tua and Key and all the ballers in the NCAA right now. Are playing at Grambling, Southern, Morehouse. You know what I'm saying. All the all the HBCU schools, Alabama and M, Alabama State. If those teams are filled with five stars, where do you think the money's gonna go, bro? They want to see they want to see the, the the big wigs, man. Right. That's why those that's why those guys get on TV. Yeah, that is true. I mean, I definitely think it would change the game, and you know. These HBCUs are, I wouldn't say they're crying out for money and help, but, you know, they would get the money that they that they need to, you know, to attract bigger stars. So hopefully one day someone will be able to change that and go forward with that process. I have a question for you. I'm currently looking something up on my on the Internet. So give me a second. I'm, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to quiz you and see you see how well you know your uh, your stuff here. Oh, okay. I'm going to embarrass myself. No, no, no. No, no, no. All right. There are 101 HBCUs in the United States. How many can you name off the top of your head right now? And I will give you 30 seconds. Wait, let me look it up and see how many there are. Wait, wait, wait. We're getting there. There's 101. I'll give you 30 seconds. 
Let's put on this little timer here. I'm going to give you 30 seconds to go ahead and name as many as you can. All right, let's go. Three, uh, two, one, go. Alabama a and Alabama State, Tuskegee, FAMU, uh, Prairie View, uh, PBAMU, North Carolina A&T, uh, 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 Fort Valley State, Morehouse, Spelman, uh, Lane College, Tennessee State, Texas State, Texas Southern, Southern, uh, uh, Langston, Bethune Cookman, Howard, Hampton, uh, and time, time. How many I got, bro? Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to count them off. We're going to count them off. You did pretty well, though. You did really well. Man, that's... Shit, I, guess, I guess I should have cheated and looked them up. <laughs> man, hey, whatever you got to do to get that, get them answers right. But yeah, that's, uh, it's dope. I, sometimes I, I look back at it and, you know, I wasn't, you know, nearly as cultured as I, I am now because, you know, growing up in Southern California, not a lot of black people. It's just, you know, mostly Asian descent or, you know, Middle Eastern. But now that, you know, I've been hanging around you and some guys, I'm starting to see that, you know, some HBCUs are dope. And, you know, I mean, I love my I, I knew I loved my people from the get go. But, you know, seeing these videos that you send me of, on Twitter of people from these HBCUs going around and, you know, having wave checks, you know, dancing out yeah. in the quad and just doing fun shit like that. It kind of makes me wish like sometimes, you know, I was around my people more and which went to HBCU. So I appreciate you, you know, blessing me with that knowledge that I didn't have, bro. Hey, man, no doubt. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. So, getting down to it, I mean, usually we go from 40 minutes to, you know, an hour. Just got, you know, a few more questions. Uh, what does Kari Blasting Game plan to do once he makes it into the NFL? Man, Lord willing, I'll make it into the NFL. My first goal is just to make the 53. Because, you know, a lot of people make it, make it in and they don't make the 53 or they make it get cut you know whatever happens but I want my first goal is just to make the 53 I want to make the 53 and stay for a few years mm -hmm. play really well make a lot of plays get in there uh, and then after that you know whatever the Lord blesses me with after that that's that's up to him uh, after that depending on how long I play man I might want to go back to school and, and chase the dream of you know running running some healthcare system somewhere uh, wanna you know do that? Wanna wanna find a way to uh, get charitable in back in my city or just somewhere help people find a way to do that? Right. Uh, yeah, bro. Yeah. That's have a family somewhere. Be be a guy like my dad. You know. That's yeah. it. Yeah. So I'm gonna kind of take a couple steps back and ask you a question. Being a good interviewer, I got to use my my interviewing skills. You you continuously hit on you know this healthcare and doing this. What has I mean? You said you grew up and saw you know family members and you know have experienced that. But was there anything else that kind of drove you for this passion about healthcare? Like any other influences, like your mom or your pop, anything like that? Now my mom's a, a physician, so that's I mean. Seeing her do that is, is cool. But other than that, man, it would just be the, the stuff that I learned at school. Like, I never wanted to run hospitals or healthcare systems before. Like, it was what I learned when I was at school. So that's really what drove that, you know. And then mixing that with the the, the racial inequities and stuff like that, that pairing that with AADS, you know, I'm, I'm real big on that, on that, on mm -hmm. my, on my uh, AADS type stuff. 
So pairing that with that is just it, it seems like something that I would really enjoy and that I have a I already have a knowledge base in, so why not? You know what I'm saying? Why not chase it and try to get to the top of that and try to do some stuff. Yeah. Respect that. Respect that a lot. Another question, I don't know where it came from, but you being a fierce competitor and you love competing and playing a game, what's your take on players, you know, let's let's go and say Darius Garland. You know, he got injured early on in the season, had surgery, and then, you know, he decided to stop playing ball and withdraw from school and withdraw from school and chase his dream. What are your thoughts on that as a, a fierce competitor? Do you agree with that? Like, would you do that if the opportunity was presented? How do you feel about that? Go get your money, young man. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel about that. He's got an opportunity to change his life, change his family's life. Go get your money, young man. Yeah, so you... He, he's he's going to get another chance to compete and show how fierce of a competitor he is and show how skilled of a basketball player he is. Yeah. And and when he gets that chance, he'll do it. Yeah. Go get your money. Go get your money, buddy. I feel that. I feel that. Because there's a lot of people saying, you know... Zion, he loves basketball. He should come back and play. I'm sitting there thinking, no, the hell he shouldn't. You were... He's he's, going to come back and play eventually. Right, exactly. (laughs) Everybody else, everybody else, man, they... Look, folks folks who ain't playing, who ain't doing it, they're going to always have a lot to say because they ain't never stepped into the arena. Yeah. They're going to say, oh, you should have more pride and love your teammates. Man, look, I love y'all, boy. I'm sure... (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and, and me, my situation, who I was, I, you know, if I had to miss a game or miss a practice for injury, that's what that's what it was. But yeah. We we played. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. But they're in different situations, man. They, these boys got millions of dollars about to about to fall into their lap because of the work that they done put in and how skilled they are and and the talent that they've been blessed with. So, man, go change your family life. Stop worrying. Don't I wouldn't even worry about what all these other people say. Yeah, for sure. All right, I'm going to switch over to pop culture kind of and give you a couple questions here just to pick your brain. So recently I saw a tweet on Twitter. Let me go back and look at it so I don't misread it. It kind of talks about athletes and, you know, them dealing with depression. Let me go back and read this really quick. You know, had a big discussion with my boys about this. Uh, Let's see. Let's see. Okay. Kevin Love, somebody tweeted Adam Silver. Yeah, somebody tweeted Adam Silver on the unhappiness of NBA players caused by social media and being isolated is very interesting and worth listening. And I guess he's just going through and talking about, you know, athletes that are playing at a high level, excuse me, are depressed, this, that, and the third. And my homeboy was like, you know, there's nothing to be depressed about. You have all the money that can change generations in your family. So what is there to be depressed about? I want to know your take on, you know, athletes and what they go through. I want you to explain to people that don't understand, like athletes go through so much more. What you see is them just playing ball. You know, you see them at their pinnacle, but you know, there's so many demons that we face every day before we even started playing football that, you know, that we were cursed with generationally or anything like that. Can you kind of explain like what it's like to be a division one athlete? Man, so division one athlete, so, just kind of focusing on the people who say, oh, you're, you know, like the, for the NBA players say, oh, you got all this money, you're doing this, there's nothing to complain about. Man, first of all, playing sports at a high level and pros and then even in college, they got to realize that's a job. You know, you know it as much as I do. You know, it's a job. So 
when anybody, you know, does can't do their job well or isn't doing their job well, that one that that can affect, you know, how they feel. Somebody who works a, a office job if they're not producing and feel like you're not doing well, they're gonna feel a little bit down about themselves. Now add in, you know, people sending tweets at them, oh, you're the worst basketball player I've ever seen. You don't deserve that, you know, sixteen whatever million dollar contract. You're terrible. Or, or even go as far as people getting death threats, right? Right. So throw that in there. And then throw in the fact, so let's talk about NBA players. Throw in the fact that you just got blessed with a large amount of money, and now you have family that you never heard of coming to, to, to you know, collect the check. You got friends calling you that you haven't heard from in, in months to collect the check, months or years to collect the check. Right. And then if you don't, they're telling you that you're the worst human being on the face of the planet. And so now it's just you and you got to go to work the next morning and play ball and do it all over again. If you're not playing well, man, think about how much that can weigh on somebody. You know, people, people have problems and just because you're a, a, a athlete at a certain level, it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, wipe those problems clean just because you're maybe playing on TV or you're, you're having a little bit of success on the court or on the field. And that stuff that stuff can pile up on you, man. Yeah. For for real. And and the person watching it, bro, with when when they turn off who was the player? Was it Paul George or was it uh or was it Kyrie? Who who was it that that, that story was about? About what? About the depression in the NBA players and stuff. I mean, Kevin Love tweeted his response back to it was this is important. Success is not immune to depression and and, uh, and in, oh my goodness, I cannot speak today. Success is not immune to depression and anxiety. Real powerful coming from Adam Silver. How can we help the masses? So I mean, there's been tons of players that have you know gone through and have you know they're playing well, but they're they're missing something in their life and that makes them you know yeah. a little more sad and. I mean, people always think, you know, money's going to cure it, but no, and people yeah. think, you know, once you get there, you shouldn't have anything that bothers you, but my thing is, a lot of these athletes and a lot of players develop these demons and these things that bother them before they even get to the league, so, you know, trying to, to balance it before you get there and take care of it before you get to where you get to is a challenge in itself, so it's like, they don't go away automatically, and they nor do no, they. They just show up and rear their ugly head when they feel like it. So it's just hard. Right. I don't know. I my thing was it's hard for someone to talk about it who's never experienced it. You know, you you yeah. just said that. So that's all I, want. They, I think I think what they don't realize is that you know they're watching these games and for you know an hour to you know basketball you know, for three hours. They're they're highly entertained, right? And when the clock shuts off, when the game is over, when the reporters are done reporting, they turn off their TV. Right. And they go and they go back to their lives. Those, I mean, those people, they don't really see them. They're not really real until they turn on their TV again and they're playing. And so they don't ever see LeBron until he's, you know, at his highest. Right. And playing as one of the best people in the world. They don't see him when he has to go home and then, you know, deal with, like you said, deal with something that might have been childhood. Like, right. You know, people deal with stuff like athletes. Just because they're athletes and have money, they deal with stuff. Just because somebody, you know, has a lot of money, it doesn't like you said, it doesn't wipe it away. But I feel like it's hard for somebody to see that because they're looking at that. They're looking at all the, 
the fame like J. Cole's in St. Tropez. And once you get there, you might realize it's, it's nothing. You know, like, I think you might have been at the concert with us. J. Cole was saying, you know, you look at all these people living these, these fancy lives, these famous lives, and you're looking over the fence. You're like, man, I got to get there. I got to get there. And then when you get there, you're like, nah, I don't want this. Right. Yeah, man, it's a it's a difficult life. I definitely won't say it's for everybody. It's um even college sports. I mean, I know a lot of people have dreams and aspirations to play college sports, but even you know playing college ball and just the stress of you know going to class and you know especially okay, I'm not here to shit on any school or anything like that, but especially going to Vanderbilt, you know, like like people say, we're completing competing against the best day in and day out. Whether that be Monday through Friday, we're in the classroom competing with, you know, people who were valedictorians of their high school, you know, the top 1%. And then on Saturdays and Sundays, you know, or Saturdays, we're going out and competing against the cream of the crop as far as athletics. So, you know, a lot of this stuff. Have to go to class. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So they chilling. They chilling, bro. They yeah. A lot of this. Different. Yeah. A lot of this stress builds up outside of outside of ball really so it's another thing all right we're going straight into pop culture right here jesse smollett and his situation what are your thoughts about it like explain to me my whole thing is like you're a fraud like i never knew who the fuck you were before what's it called empire and now you're out here you know frauding for attention to be you know the gay tupac as he said he's he's not good in my book i am the as a leader in the black community in my mind i am trading him away so wherever he goes he can go i'm fine we'll take a couple draft picks for him this that, and a third what's your take on him and this this is this situation is wild but it's, it's real nuanced man like it's just it's the chicago police man they, they they do a lot of crazy stuff so i'm not saying that i don't believe what they're saying because they got a lot of evidence right to the cop to the contrary you know it's clear that he wasn't attacked as he said he was. Mm-hmm. So, so he's he's definitely wrong for that. But you know, after that initial report, it slowed down. So, and it is the Chicago Police. You saw how they did. Uh, what's the name? What's the guy's name? Laquan McDonald. Man, yeah. was, you know, they got a history of covering up stuff. Right. But I will say this, man. They they got a lot of evidence to the contrary that he did that. It didn't happen the way. It, uh. He said it happened. So he's dead wrong for that, man. He should have just, you know, kept doing his whole empire thing and right. just letting that ride, you know. Yeah. But he decided to he decided to do whatever he did. We don't know yet because all the facts not out. No, you I, you I, didn't I, see that the other day? He got indicted on six charges. Yeah, I seen that. No, yeah. it was sixteen. Sixteen. Oh shit. For every, Excuse for me. Everything that he told. But and this is my thing. I'm never for you know that that they're throwing the book at him. You know, I don't like that. I, you know, yeah, sixty-four years is it's it's a. I think it's a little much. Man, it. I mean, I'm I'm not for. I'm not for the, for you know him trying to get over on people and say that something happened that didn't happen, right? Because he has to pay for that. But sixteen charges, man. Yeah. That's that's egregious, that's man. Overkill. <laughs> That's overkill, but like you said, he's, I mean, he, he tried to defraud people. Like, he tried to, I will, I don't know what he was doing. Right. They'll find out in the trial, but. Yeah. You know, when it was happening, when it was happening, I felt like, okay, something's off here. Right. Something's off here. 
you know, the, and then you know all the all the social commentary that was going on about who's really at fault. You know, people, you know, y'all are just homophobic. I'm like, look, man, I'm, I know I'm not homophobic, but right. something something seems off about the story. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna sit back. Like I can't do anything about it anyway. So I'm not gonna go like you know doing nothing rash. But you know, I felt like uh, it seems a little weird. And then when it popped out, it turns out it was a little weird. Mm -hmm. But then I did see a story the other day. Excuse me. I saw a story the other day, but it was saying like uh, the Chicago police overstated the amount to which he uh, falsified the report. You know what I mean? Right. So, so I man, I don't know what to believe, dog, because. <laughs> In the short, how many weeks has it been? What three weeks? Yeah, something like that. A little, little over a month, maybe. In in the little over a month that this has been out, there's been so many developments and people saying this, this happened. Now these two people are a witness, and now he's a suspect, and now he's indicted. But oh wait, we overstated the charges, but we still going to we still going to indict him. It's weird, man. And I'm never just I'm never for seeing it. The book thrown at a black man, you know what I'm saying? They try right. to make an example out, out of this guy, but he did what he did, and yeah. and you know as well as I know, the rules not the same for us. It's not. So it's not the same for us. So if if that's what they do to to, to my guy, then you know that that's the decision. Those those are some decisions he made. We, I just man, I just kind of want to know the facts, bro. Yeah. Like like what actually happened? Like, <laughs> like somebody needs to come out with a comprehensive statement, like. Okay, Chicago police, we lied, you know what I'm saying, we lied, we said this, but here's what actually happened, like, let's, let's, let's cut through all the, the BS, bro, you know what I'm saying, because mm -hmm. it's getting confusing at this point, Yeah, <laughs> it's like, there's a new story, somebody else is involved every day, Lee Daniels is on set, breaking, breaking down and having tantrums and stuff, like, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, a lot of this stuff, I mean... I don't want to say what people do for clout, like, cause you know, you know, we don't know everything and new stuff's coming out every day, but goodness gracious, like. It's, I mean, it's, he, sh he should have just, I, you can't lie, man. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right. It, 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 it gets wild, bro. It, it gets wild when you do that, cause now you gotta double down. Yeah. And see, the thing is, I said it in a, uh, me, myself, and I Mondays. It's just like, okay, you, if you, if you did lie, say he did. Why would you come public about it? I mean, like going on, you know, these talk shows and really playing that victim role that just in my mind, that just goes and shows me like you're more guilty than, you know, like you're just letting off and showing us that you're more guilty by going on and really like trying to emphasize this this victim role. He went on to a he had a concert. Right. And I guess at the end of the concert, he was talking like, you know, about the attack and he was talking um, you know, I did fight back this, that, and the third, you know, I'm this, 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 and this. And the whole time he was doing it, he was reading from an index card, right? Uh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Saw so that. it's like, I don't know. He just, he didn't help his case with me. I mean, like you said, uh, he is getting overcharged. It is a little bit of overkill, but at the same time, bro, you, you are not helping yourself at all. Yeah, man. It, I mean, let's just say it looks bad for my guy, right? Yeah. You know? CPD, they came out with stories, said they lied, but just, man, it looks bad. But, yeah. but I was thinking this the other day. 
this is the big, this could be the biggest plot twist in history. <laughs> what, what, if, what if he really don't know nothing about it? What if he really did just get attacked and it was all like Lee Daniels talking about, hey y'all, go go attack this guy. Oh uh, yeah. Let's, let's, let's get these let's get these ratings up. Right, right, exactly that. And, and, and in the meantime, we gonna frame Justin and say he did it. Yeah. That'd be the biggest plot twist in history. Dude. Man, man, oh man, people would feel so bad. I would feel bad because you know I. Can't. I would feel bad. Yeah. Like, dang, he was—he was telling us—he was telling the truth. He yeah. did just get beat up. <laughs> but, but right now, was you know based on what's out there, it looks bad, bro. Yeah, it, it looks bad. Yeah. All right, I think I got two more, and then I'm gonna let you go. I know we got in the bedtime. Let's ride. Let's ride two more. So. Surviving R. Kelly came out, and, you know, me and you both agree, you know, R. Kelly is a creep, a weirdo, you know, ugly, but now there's uh, this Michael Jackson documentary coming out, you know, uh, leaving, escaping Tomorrowland or whatever, right? Have you heard about that? Yeah, yeah. Bro, what do you think about that? You know the the kids that are in it, or the men, excuse me, the men that are in it, uh, originally under oath, under oath, mind you, said that. You know, Michael Jackson didn't do anything to him. And now, so-and-so years later, when Michael's not even there to be able to defend himself, excuse me for calling him by his first name like we homies, but the king of pop is not there to defend himself. They're coming out and saying that he did all this. What's the point? You're going to go back and char- Like, you can't? I don't know. I just feel like if you, you already said it under oath, one, and now he's not here to defend himself, what is, you know, what is there to so, gain out of this? So... To kind of clarify for me, the guys who are on it, they're grown now. Yes. And now they're and now they're they're getting on the TV. Like they're they're the ones that are doing the thing. Yeah, now now they're, you know, going through and they have this documentary and they're uh talking about the things that Michael had did to them. <sighs> Man, I mean, what what are they gonna do? They're gonna posthumously uh you know, incarcerate Mike? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what their intentions were with this. I guess I just don't understand. Maybe, you know, there's people out there saying, you know, they were kids and, you know, they didn't they didn't want to face the ridicule. They were uncomfortable when they were younger. But I mean, even at a young age, you know, if someone tells you this is like a big deal, like if I heard under oath and I was like eight or nine or 10 or 11, like, and you're in a courtroom full of people, like, Hi. Yeah, you, 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 you let the cat out the bag. Exactly, right? <laughs> and they sat there and said, no, you know, Michael did not touch us. He didn't do any of this. And now they're coming all out for this. Do you think this may possibly be like a money plot? Like, listen, though, listen, here's, here's another thing. They said they're not getting paid, and I'm calling bullshit. There's no way. They're coming out <sighs> and saying that, you know, Michael did all this way back when, and they're not getting paid for it. Like, I'm just, I'm not understanding. What's your take on it? Here's the thing, man. They're making these. This it's going on TV. It's going on Lifetime, right? Yeah. They're, they're going on TV. Somebody's getting paid. They're right. not running. They're not running the special for free. Right. So, so somebody's getting some bread off of it, and you know maybe these guys might be trying to write books or something. Who mm-hmm. knows? But, but this, I think, I think the real question is, you know, these were kids, right? Mm-hmm. Kids are not driving themselves to Never Never Land Ranch, right? <laughs> that is true. What, where are the where are the parents, man? Yeah. <laughs> where are the parents? Let's 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 get the parents on the stand and, and, and see what act, see what happened with them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mike Mike is you know, Michael Jackson, he's gone. He's mm-hmm. dead. 
you know, rest in peace, right? Right. And first of all, as a, as a grown man myself, tw- at my twenty two years of old age, <laughs> I'm not having no no sleepover play dates with no young boys. Right. You feel me? So he, you know, you, but you know, Mike. People knew Mike was weird. Mm-hmm. You remember that cat Williams? It was like, uh, don't don't you climb trees? <laughs> you man, if you can if you can get that sound bite. Drop that in there. All right, but, but but you know, Mike Mike was weird. You yeah, know, they had the trial. You knew Mike was weird. Now he's dead. Let's let's talk to the parents that you know got those kids in this situation. And you know, it's it's just it's a lot to wrap your brain around. I'm not I'm not into calling potential victims of you know you know child molestation. I'm you know. They say they're not getting paid. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But, but man, it, it looks bad in the light. Yeah, Let's I just, just say that. It there's a lot of bad. red flags, bro. Just a lot of red flags off rip. See, like now with, I don't. Yeah, let me go ahead and preface this. I'm not one to you know, you know, belittle or you know, take away from people that have been sexually assault, assaulted or molested. But I mean, when there's some things that don't add up, and you know. Your, your T's aren't crossed and your, your I's aren't dotted. I'm definitely going to question it. And there's a lot of things that are going on with this whole uh, King of Pop, Michael Jackson thing that, you know, kind of, you know. It, like, don't, it just don't look It right. don't look good. So, you know, that's yeah. that. So now, oh, now, Kelly, Kelly, he's on video doing that stuff. Man. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's got, he's got to go away for a long time. Definitely. You know, he's got to go away. Definitely. But, but, you know, this King of Pop thing, man. He's going like, what are you, what are you going to do to the guy? Right, right. You know, I, I mean, but but Kelly, hey, bro, you know that Boondocks episode with Uncle Ruckus when they was talking about the R. Kelly trial? He was like, <laughs> yeah, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, now, now cut that out, cut that out of here. <laughs> that. But, if, but if you can find that sound bite, throw that joint in there. Cause, yeah, because Kelly, R. Kelly, man, that guy, he, he's. The guy got on camera and said, I beat my case. He didn't say I'm innocent. Yeah. He said, that I, he beat, said I beat my case. Yeah. He that talked man. about that. There was his, I know for a fact, his publicist, his lawyer, they went in and they had to just, boy, that probably laid off on him. And uh, remember the soundbite where the lady was like, you, you you locked up girls in a in a cave, you tied them down in a dark room, and he just said, phew, like it was a good ass time. Come on, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah man. R. Kelly got some, got some things he need to work out, man. He need to go sit in the cell for a little bit. Yeah, and bro. Think, and think about that, because he done did some you know, come on, man. It's a video out there. You doing it? You, do, you know, come on. Well, you don't even. I don't even want to talk about that. It's yeah. not safe. It's not. You know, man. But uh, last question. Last question. As um, if you, this isn't pop culture. I'm just going back and just you know, having great conversation. If you could have picked any other school besides Vanderbilt to give you, you know, the keys to the car, for lack of better words or saying. To do what you wanted to do, to drive to where you want to drive, what school would it be and why? Golly, that is that's a big one to end on, dog. That's a big one to end on. Uh, so, so what are we saying? Like, what are we, are we saying that I go to the school and everything happens as it happened already? You go to a school and the best outcome of your imagination happens. You, let's say you, you had 
shit, 50 plus offers and they were from, you know, all the schools you ever wanted to go to. And, you know, you get to basically plan out what happened and how it happens. What school would you go to? And tell me, tell me why. You can, you can plan it out. I mean, yeah, let's just, let's, let's just get, let's use our imagination here. Let's, let's go out. Let's, let's pick a school and, you know, boom, you're a first rounder guaranteed first 32 without a doubt, regardless of how you do at your combine, this, that, and the third damn near don't even have to do pro day. That's how, that's how much you snapped. Right. And you can pick any school to go to, which one would it be and why? I mean, you're going to think, you're going to think that this is cliche as hell. Oh brother, here we go. You're going to hate this. You're not going to like this answer. Okay, I'm going to tell if, if I can, if, if I'm, a, you know, first round, you know, already doesn't matter. You know, it all plays out like that. Mm-hmm. I'm coming back to Vandy, bro. What? Yeah. Bro, yeah. any school if, you could, any, any school. Any school. Any, any school, man. I'm coming back. Bro, think, think about it. Think about it. Maybe it's because I I have a, maybe it's because I you know just love Ad Williams and I don't know bro it's it's something about it's something about the that's a that's a I think maybe that's a safe answer like right now because you said you know the you get the first round this and that but think about it I met y'all boys right yeah I'm with my girl mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying that I'm you know you know yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you just threw in, you know, the, the NFL first round, whatever. It went perfectly. That means we done won some national championships. You know, it's, it's Peachy King. So why, why change up anything? Yeah, hey, I mean. You, you just you just said, you know, you can go back and make it whatever it is. It's Peachy King. Why would I change up anything? Yeah, I mean, hey, teach his own, brother. Teach his own. I, I respect yeah, hey. It's a it's a weird answer to that question, but I'm just thinking like, man, we got you know we got one of the greatest educations, you know, what I'm saying in the SEC. I, I, why change up? Why switch up? If it turns out, you know, with the first round bag, I mean, you can say anything. You can say, oh, I want to go to Bama, or I, I would rather go, you know, out to like you said USC. But you know. I respect it. Who, who's, who's to say those those guys? Who's to say the guys out there? I'm gonna mess with. Right. Who's to say? Who's to say like? You know, say I fit in with the culture at the school. Right. Because our culture was was different. Mm-hmm. You know. For sure. For sure. I'll say that. So I don't know, bro. Like the, when you said that, and you said what I asked, like, uh, you know, does it does everything go as it went, or does it? You, or as it goes, but I was thinking, I was thinking, you know, if you could go back and you couldn't, if, and I couldn't go to Bandy, I would probably say Minnesota, but Jerry Q, you know, has to stay there all five years for it to be, all four years for it to be, you know, a great experience. Because he ended up leaving, you know? Yeah. And he's one of the main reasons, him and his staff is one of the main reasons I ended up, I even committed there in the first place. Mm-hmm. So, at the end of the day, bro, I can't, you know we don't do a whole lot of looking back anyway. Yeah, like we we look back, we look back reflective, but we don't look back saying we wish we could change anyway. So yeah, that is true. I, you know, that's a hard question for me, dog. You gotta if I if, if you get, if you had me back, which I'd love to come back. Let me think about it a little bit, and I'll answer it more. But right now, I'm saying like 
if if everything just goes smooth, say the Peachy King, why not come back to Van? Respect, respect. Man, look, I I know, I know you hate that answer. Hey, listen, listen. It's not for me. It's for the people. It's in the, it's in the the art of content. You know, hey, I I'm happy with whatever answer you pick. You're my brother. As long as you're happy, I'm happy, bro. Sure. I'm I'm over here thinking about that now. <laughs> Man, you should you should have put that one at the front, and then you know saying let me think about it for the whole hour. Yeah. Now I'm just gonna be thinking about it. It is true. Maybe I'll preface it next time for the next interview. But, bro, listen. Like, this interview was fire, bro. Learn some stuff. We discussed, you know, a lot A lot of my interviews are really like, who are you? What are you doing? What do you plan for the future? This, that, and the third. But, dude, this one, we talked pop culture. You know, we talked medicine field. We talked HBCUs. We, we had, like, a little fun 30-second game on here. This was probably the most unique interview i've had to this date so i really appreciate you bro like thank you for believing in me as a person on the field off the field thank you for believing in my creativity because you know in the black community really like this creativity stuff that shit this it's not allowed it's looked at as as weird air quotations you know what i'm saying so yeah yeah i appreciate you you know just seeing my vision and you know believing in me bro it means a lot no doubt, bro. Hey, I appreciate you having me. It was fun, man. I should have, I should have cheated on that little game. And, uh, got some more schools in there. Hey, uh, man. But nah, man, it was fun. We'll come back fun. to it. We're definitely gonna come back. I'm gonna go through and interview all these people again. But you know, as I wrap down, I'm sure you've heard it in podcast. Um, you know, just a little segment I do. What do we need to look out for in the future? From Card Blasting Game. Go ahead. The floor is yours. You you can shout out future, you know, business plans, you know, NFL stuff, you know, just anything that you want to shout out, anything that you want people to know. The stage is yours. You know, let them have it. Man, what can you expect? Uh, just read, you know, recent, bro. Like what's coming up? Expect for, you know, to get into a camp, make a 53 man. Try to make something out of this, you know, football career, which we all gonna do. Man, and shoot, I'm gonna fall off the face of the earth after that, baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, try to hop up in this, in this uh, change this medical field. Yeah. The United States healthcare, and and, and and have a family, and raise good kids, and stuff like that. That's that's my only goal for this life. Good man, good. You guys heard it here first. Car blast game. Vanderbilt undergrad graduate, finishing up grad school, NFL futury. You heard it here first, man. Thank you again, and I'll see you in the morning, bro. I see you right at nine. All right, brother. Have a good night. All right, man. You too. Peace. <laughs>